1: As many of you may already know, October is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. Now, if you've listened to my podcast for any period of time, you'll know that my brother-in-law committed suicide. And awareness and prevention is something that is very near and dear to my heart. And maybe you're listening today and you would say, Don Brian, I just, I want to give up. And I want to tell you, I've been there. I know what that feels like. But I also want to tell you that there's hope. So hold on, you can make it through another day. If you feel like you may have come to the end of your rope, reach out to someone, because there is somebody who's willing to listen. Hey everybody, Doc Bryan here, and welcome to Doc Talks. Where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life today with me on the show i have dr daniel amenia and rick lawrence dr amenia is the assistant or excuse me associate uh, medical director of amen clinics and dr or excuse me rick lawrence i'll get all this right in a minute rick lawrence is the executive director of vibrant how do you say that i wrote it and now now i can't it's read my own writing ministries vibrant faith ministries. Okay. So Rick, since I absolutely butchered uh, what you do, uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: Sure. Well, for three decades I was on the executive leadership team at GROUP and uh, I oversaw the youth ministry and adult ministry resourcing, training, and equipping. And uh, in, the, uh, during, in the middle of the pandemic, I transitioned into become the executive director of Vibrant Faith, which is a, a uh, also a ministry training, resourcing, and coaching organization. But we also uh, do, in partnership with the Lilly Endowment, we do major research within the church, uh, helping the church to plant and experiment with new approaches to ministry that we then gauge the impact of those. Uh, in our major research projects. So that's what I do now. And on the side, or it sometimes seems like more than the side, I write books mostly, almost exclusively about Jesus from 5,000 different trajectories.
1: Wow. And Dr. Emina, uh, you are a psychiatrist, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I am. Uh, so again, uh, Dr. Brian, thanks for having us on. This Absolutely. is great to be on. I appreciate the work you do, the the message that you deliver. And especially speaking on hope, because our book is really a lot about hope. But yeah, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. I'm also a general and an adult psychiatrist. So I'm double board certified in both, trained at UCLA, University of Hawaii. I've been at the Amin Clinics now for eight or so years. and one of the associate medical directors there. And we at the Amin Clinics, we see mental health more as brain health. So that informs my perspective on even on this book and even on the care I provide for my clients. We're thinking about how do we improve brain health? One, because that drops the stigma element of it. We all wanna be healthier. Well, start with your brain, get your brain healthier. When your brain's healthier, you tend to make better decisions, manage the stressors of life better. Doesn't fix all of life, but it gives you that extra bit of oomph or resilience to get through many of the things that uh, we face. Sure. And you you mentioned
1: stigma. Would you would you say that the stigma is kind of letting up a little bit within the last four or five years? Or do you think it's still as prevalent as it ever was?
2: Oh, it's a it's an ongoing battle, and an ongoing fight. I think, you know, so one, it's becoming more readily discussed and and there are celebrities and such and people out there in the public and the media that do say hey i had these mental health related struggles and it does allow especially for the newer generation to actually speak on this to each other and it's not such something that's hidden in the background completely but it, it's still an ongoing thing right there's still the back and the forth of it i mean there are people who will still roll their eyes when someone says i'm having my mental health struggles or whatever it may be when someone's open with it so we're not there yet, but it is becoming more readily discussed. And even in a discussion, it does not mean that it's always discussed with as much wisdom, as much empathy, as much knowledge as it maybe should be. But nevertheless, we're happy about the discussion. And I think even you know, one of the primary things we talk about is feeling empowered to live a life intentionally that actually moves you towards health, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually and i think that really is where the eventual message goes to right instead of just being focused on the disease of whatever mental health dis- related diagnosis someone may have
1: sure yeah
0: there's a there's actually a thread through the book that even is born out of daniel's uh, clinical experience uh, treating christian clients because there's a lot of baggage christians carry with them around brain health mental health issues yeah it's i Try, I think, I frame it in in uh, this light. It's a kind of casual, relaxed Gnosticism, in the sense that the Gnostic heresy was that all things spiritual are good and all things material are evil. So they even explain away the the humanness of Jesus in that her- heresy. We in our contemporary Christian world would never think of ourselves as Gnostics, and yet we discount. The material side of our life and the humanness of Jesus even, and say that only the spiritual is really worthy or true. So when you're having a struggle, it means you need more faith, a mm-hmm. spiritual solution. And in our book, we, we accurately, I think, reflect the wholeness of Jesus and that he's both material and spiritual, and that there are many, many ways to, uh, build up a bulwark against uh, depression and anxiety through both the biological and the spiritual, both both sides working together.
1: Sure. There's a, a Christian comedian who she lost her husband through alcoholism. And when she went back on the road, her very opening line was, tonight's Concert is being brought to you by 150 milligrams of Effexor and a milligram of Xanax, and people (laughs) laughed and responded to that. But she she said she didn't know, lost count of how many people told her how inappropriate that was for her to speak about her mental health in that way. Uh, And the biggest the biggest comeback that she had was if she just had enough faith, that God would take care of all of it. Now, um, Dr. Amina, you mentioned brain health. And I think that where we get messed up is that there is a difference between faith and brain chemistry. Could you Mm -hmm. kind of speak to how those work together, but how they are also different?
2: Yeah, let me start with just a basic saying um let's say someone broke their leg like you literally broke their leg you can even see kind of bone coming through you know it's kind of an awful picture to have but they broke their leg I I think for most of us we wouldn't expect them to by faith you know run run a mile now right you you would say no oh you, you clearly broke your leg let's take you to the ER let's let's get that bone set You're going to need some physical therapy, whatever it is, depending on the level of the injury, right? We would recognize that that in many ways is a biological thing, and it's not just purely about your fate. Your fate may influence how you go about the process, how you see, hey... God help this process to go well with the doctor that they do a good job that they set the bone right that it heals appropriately your fate will still influence your your progress through the healing process of that bone break but the biological frailty that allowed for the bone break is still a thing it was real right and that still needs to be healed and that needs to be taken care of the thing we don't think of in relation to to brain related conditions and things that we we label as mental health related conditions is that our brains, in some ways, can break too. okay? The issue is that we often can't see it, so it's it's nebulous, and that's why it can become stigmatized. You can see the person that can technically look fine. there's no bone coming out of anything, right but they are having a particular set of struggles. So then it becomes a character related deficits. It becomes faith related deficits, not a medical related condition. Yeah, you wouldn't say to the person who had the broken bone, your faith is probably just, it's not, it's not there. I think you need to pray a little bit more, read a little bit more. Have you considered prayer and fasting? We wouldn't go to that, those, those elements. We would say, hey, you got a medical thing. Let's take care of that. We can pray along the way that the healing goes well, that it's not as, it's not as bad, all the things. But we still need to honor that your your body needs treatment. The issues, especially in the church, and even not even just the church, even secular communities, we think of this brain as and we don't think of it as a medical thing. We don't think of it of the biology of it. We think of it as just like a floating spirit in there in some ways. But we know that if you have a concussion, you're three times you have a three times higher risk of suicide, right, than just the general population. And we know that if you hit your brain, that creates damage to the brain. It can negatively impact the function of the brain, and it can negatively impact how you process your reality. But we're also not only hitting your head, but the substances that we get exposed to. So not just illicit substances, but even the toxins in our environment, in our water. If you live in some communities, right, where you're not getting healthy, you know, good water, in our paints, in our foods, um, there's so many things that can create toxins that and and that can negatively impact the function of our brain. That's just on the biological side. One of the things we talk about in the book is that there the other toxins that we may have are are almost software toxins. They're psychology toxins. Things that are planted in us in the context of our upbringing and our experiences, and they become part of these things we call destructive narratives in the book.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and so this book you're referring to is Suicide Solution. Rick, could you tell us kind of where this idea was birthed for this book?
0: Sure. So I live in a Denver suburb in one of the highest sort of geographical regions for uh, suicide in the in the country. So I've had a lot of connection along the way because I have two daughters growing up through the school system. I've had a lot of connection to suicide in my my neighborhood and in my my kids' circles. And so I've been exposed to a lot of the messaging around depre- anxiety, depression, and suicide. And I always have felt an unrest with the conversation that, that develops around this. It's almost always reactive. And the solutions that are given don't have anything to do with prevention, really, in my view, of building up some uh a bulwark in people's lives against this downward slide so it just, it just felt a lot of unrest and so i decided to, i'm an author so and i i write about jesus so i decided to explore the overlap of who jesus is how how he modeled living and what he taught overlay that with the, the anxiety depression and suicide problem in america and i wrote a book proposal and uh uh, my agent at one point said, this is really not going to go anywhere, Rick, um, because you need a partner. Uh, you need a, a skilled expert partner to write this with. And he was right. <laughs> and so the proposal lay dormant for about a year. And then out of the blue, he called me and said, uh, I I just had a publisher approach me about partnering with with a psychiatrist named Dr. Daniel Amina. How about if you two meet? So Daniel and I met over the phone to see if we had a kindred connection and also perspective on all this, and we discovered we did. But we're coming at it from two different trajectories. So the whole process of writing this book was a learning experience, I'd say, for both of us. We were learning from each other. And as we learned from each other, the the threads of our our perspectives and experiences came together in the message of this book. So Daniel has his own, (laughs) own journey to getting to this place where uh, he was asked to, to write this uh, as a co-author as well. Maybe Daniel, you could give that that story. Yeah,
2: too. I love how things just work out. I don't, think this, I don't think of this as like just a serendipity thing. I think this is a God thing because there were just too many different elements that came together. I guarantee you, if, if the things that happened prior to the actual invitation for the book and everything, hadn't happened, I would have said no to the opportunity right, to, to to work with Rick on this. Because the short story is uh, my mom is always in constant education, which is actually a good thing for the brain, side note. So like, so she's always educating herself. She's, she was like, I want to do, I think she wanted to do like a master's program. So she's getting this master's program and it, it's really, it's in the context of a church. And there was a project on suicide in the church and I'm a psychiatrist, so she's having conversations with me about it. Um, she even asked me to do a little presentation about it. So I'm doing all this prep work. I'm doing some research stuff. So I have this backlog of data and things in relation to it. And that was like for like a year. And then this book thing comes up and I'm like, okay. I mean, I I already have all this repository of things I've been considering. I actually did a presentation on this. I, I This is my job to, you, you try to prevent this, right? My job is to, I think of it as like, helping people understand their brains, live into their brains and thrive with a better understanding how their brain runs. And in the context of that, the natural progression of that is that it prevents suicide. So it's, it's a more proactive strategy than just saying, oh, we want to prevent this thing. It's really about how you live, right? So by the time it came up, I was like, well, yeah, this is, this is almost like a perfect, I, it was hard to kind of ignore how God put it all together. And then Rick was just awesome. I, even after our first conversation, it was just like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And this was great. And he made this whole process so easy. I, I always joke with him that if I, like, I decide to write the book uh, myself, like, I would literally still be writing. I'll be like, I'll be talking to my friends about it. I'm still writing my book, you know, I'm on I'm chapter three or something. <laughs> he, he's amazing. So,
1: so, So you both have used the term. Suicide prevention. What exactly does that mean?
0: Uh, let me throw something out and then Daniel, you can jump on this. So Daniel just said that uh, he just enunciated <laughs> the title of the book that he wished we had, we had been able to call it. We got kind of overruled. Daniel's title of the book would have been A Way to Live. And uh, I think that is a fantastic way of describing what this book is about. It's not a way to prevent death. It, or destruction. It's a way to live that was modeled by Jesus and confirmed by all of the science that we know, the emerging science around anxiety and depression. Turns out that, that the way Jesus taught and modeled is backed up and reflected by the best science that we know around both what Daniel, Daniel and I call the software and hardware of our humanness, the hardware is our biology. The software is our, our soul or our psychology. The two have to work together. Um, you have to eradicate bugs from both of them or the computer will not operate well and even sometimes stop operating. So that's the perspective that we use to put in front of people a menu of possibilities for ways of living their life. Not it's It's a very comprehensive menu. We are not expecting that people follow every of the practical suggestions that are in the last two-thirds of the book. We're expecting them to treat it like a menu and pick the things that that they can incorporate into their life that affect both their biology and their psychology as a regular way of living their life. And it turns out when you do those things, you're also uh, following Jesus and living more like he did <laughs> when you do these things. So our our approach is to build up this menu of possibilities for a way to live your life that we know once you start uh, stacking these habits in your life, it builds a, a refuge against what is a natural magnetic pull on all human beings toward anxiety and depression. That's why we have an epidemic in the United States right now, because it's a natural magnetic pull towards anxiety and depression for everyone in our culture. So how do you live your life in such a way that it works against that downward slide?
1: So in prevention here, what you are speaking of is how to keep your life in an area of where you're not digressing into the natural state of depression, anxiety that would then lead into suicidal ideologies.
0: Yeah. And maybe, Daniel, you could explain the three C's as a, as a way of describing what we're talking about here.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I, I can I'll I'll get to to the the Cs. I I, I love this because I think it just kind of simplifies it a bit. But I'll use some some different other kind of examples. It's like um, there would be particular ways of if you were trying to create strategies to to become physically healthier, right? It's not waiting till you're unhealthy and then saying you know or just don't eat these foods. It would be more about eat these foods have this level of activity have this level of sleep do these particular things and then that moves you towards health right versus more of a focus on don't eat this don't do this don't do that yes you can discuss that if your long term goal is is like a physical halt but yeah it, it's more about what positive things can we move towards what, what life building things can we move towards and that's kind of how we frame it in in the book it's like how what life giving things can you move towards First, you also have to understand where you're starting from. So there's an element of kind of understanding where you're starting from, where you are biologically already and where you are in your internal narratives already. Knowing how you speak to yourself about yourself because we have a tendency to live into those things, right? So being able to have those basic understandings does lead up to one of the things I, uh, we we like to talk about it. And I actually foresees, I, I keep adding more to them. Um, I think there might be even like five or more. I keep thinking, is there other ways I could uh, put this together? But the first one is just being creative. How do you, what do you create? And creating isn't just about art or like painting. It can be that, but it can also be in what you do in your community, in what you do in your work. Even literally as we're doing this podcast, this is part of your creation, right? This is something you create that benefits others, right? So what are you creating? What are you using that? that that intellect for the other piece is how you connecting. We all need to connect, even for our introverts. We need to connect, right? The introverts initially started out the pandemic. They were like, "I was built for this. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine." And then after a while, even they started having issues, right? Initially, their anxiety dropped, and then it kind of came back up because they 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 grew too away from people. It, it was just too isolated. Obviously for the extroverts, they struggle from day one, right? There was like, I need people, I need people, I need to connect, right? So connection is important. Good quality connection, however it may be, but good quality connection, especially with people that that align with your goals and align with your vision. Contribution, how are you contributing to others? How are you supporting others? What are you doing in your community? What are you doing in your, in even in your work, in your home, in your church, however it may be. Right? And it can look like being having a you know, having a nice smile for the person who's checking you out at a grocery store, to all the way being someone cuts you off, choosing to have grace for them for wherever they might be in their brain health in that moment, versus carrying that frustration. There's something that it does for them. You're not honking. you're not yelling at them. You're, and there's something it does for you because you're not carrying that unnecessary angst and aggression. And increase cortisol because you're you're frustrated in them. And then the last one is is cultivation. So this is the bigger one. It's, you're cultivating this this strategy of health. How do I think? Am I thinking in ways that are beneficial to me? Am I thinking in ways that match up with my goals and my ideals and 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 my my vision for self in some ways? Um, is it healthy the way I'm thinking? And then not only that, it's also, am I sleeping enough? Am I exercising enough? Am I eating well enough? Do uh, I have the right supplements? Something random. Am I treating my sleep apnea if I have sleep apnea? Or am I, my, my high blood pressure? Yes, those all impact how your brain works. Did I have some concussions? Have I done anything about that? Have I evaluated it? Have I found, read a line about different ways to help my brain heal? So this kind of comes together to form those four Cs, right? Are you creating... Are you connecting? Are you contributing? Are you cultivating wellness? I, I love that. Absolutely love that. Just to, and I've said this before,
1: but you know, I'm I'm not a psychiatrist, and uh, you know, that MD behind your name means a whole lot. But can you just dispel this rumor that I've tried to dispel for years? Is that talking about suicide with your friends, your family, your kids? does not make it any a greater chance for them cons- to consider it as an option.
2: Yeah, one of the greatest tragedies is often when some men, people say, we didn't see this coming. Okay, Did we we thought he was okay. We thought she was okay. We thought that we didn't see this coming. That's just painful to hear, right? Because think how alone that, that individual was, right? How alone they must have been to be having these thoughts um, coming over and over into their mind, eventually leading to an action. And they couldn't share with anybody. Uh they've actually done studies on this, uh, that you know, increased discussion about it doesn't automatically lead to someone going or trying to kill themselves, right? If someone was going to try to kill themselves, there's in the context of a discussion, they'd probably already had premeditated thoughts about it. They'd already been kind of going and oh, there might have been other other conditions or other issues or substances or personality disorders or other things that may have contributed to it but really having an open discussion about it even before anything's going on actually allows people to have more discussion about this i literally just had um a uh, a patient who had read the book and had seen him he he he, had, he his twin brother uh had taken his life his dad had ta- so is dad had taken his life also. So he's had two people in his life that taken their lives. So obviously suicide is, is a big thing for him. But he was, he's a teacher and he, there was a avenue that he was able to share of his story. And it actually allowed uh, a one of the teens, it wasn't even immediately, another teen to approach him later on to kind of talk about where that teen had been in their own journey. And... That couldn't have happened if he hadn't been willing to share. That team wasn't sharing with anybody else. And being able to be able to share with somebody else and say, this is where I'm at. And wait, that's how you overcame it? Or this is how you manage it? I don't have to act on those thoughts just because they come through my mind? He needed someone to be that team needed someone to be able to talk to about that. So it's necessary to have these discussions. It should be part of what we talk about in school, but also in church. We don't have to only make sure we don't have to only put it on the psychiatrist or those in mental health care to have these discussions.
0: Can I, can I throw in a quick uh, biblical example here? Sure. Sure. So, so we know the story of the woman who had an issue of blood. um, So a lifelong medical issue, she had emptied her savings trying to get medical attention for it. And it was still there. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus's daughter who's dying He cannot stop if he's going to get there before she dies. And the woman comes up in a crowded square and touches the hem of his garment and then slinks back into the crowd and Jesus stops. He should not have done this because because he stops, Jairus' daughter dies. That's That's the brutal truth of this. And everyone around, including Jairus, are shocked that he is stopping in the middle of this square. Why? Is Jesus doing something that is so costly in that moment to stop? She's already had her healing. She's already completely well again. Why not keep walking? He doesn't keep walking for the very same reason that Daniel's describing here. He asks, who touched me? Power's gone out of me. Who touched me? Eventually, the woman says it was me. Everyone knows her, but no one's in relationship with her because she is... Divorced of her connections of people because of the condition she has, so everyone knows her, and she says, "The uh, Jesus just healed me," and Jesus asks her to out herself in the in the public square, not just because of her physical healing, but because of her psychological healing. He's really saying to the crowd, "She's well now," and. Connection with her is not only possible, but I'm encouraging it now. Mm -hmm. She needs healing psychologically and socially as well. Mm -hmm. And instead of burying her story in the darkness, he highlights her story in the light Mm -hmm. so that she can find a path to reconnection in her culture.
1: Yeah, I I have counseled with many, many people who have attempted suicide. And one is too many. But the reoccurring theme that I hear is not that they wanted to die, mm-hmm. but it was the only way that they knew that would completely change their circumstance. And so in, in your book, talking about the things that we do to keep ourselves healthy, to, to keep our brains healthy, what happens when we get to the point of we just give
2: up? What direction do we go there? So, so, so good, good question. I'll, I'll say a little bit on this. And I know rick I got some thoughts on this too. Um, I think of it like, um, if someone's having a heart attack, like, and you're already at chest pain point, like, you're like, oh, oh, it's going to my arm, it's our chest pain. You're probably not going to start reading a book on diet at that, that time, right? You're not going to say, oh, I probably should go on a w-. You're going to the ER. So, if you're really ever at that point where the thoughts are so real, you're planning it, you got a plan, you, you, you wanna do something, you're thinking about doing something, it's to that level, get help. It's, it's the ER level, get help. Call whoever doctor, uh, your primary care doctor, um, even if it's 911, if you have a family member in that level, take them to the ER, let them be evaluated immediately because that's basically at the heart, heart attack level. Before that though, if you've already started to get a little bit of discomfort in the chest, you're walking up the stairs, you're, oh, I'm feeling hushed That's when you're doing this process of going, okay, I got to get myself healthier physically. So I'm protecting my heart. But it also relates to this. If those thoughts do flash up in the mind, where you're getting so much more distressed by the things that are happening in your life, you've known about the trauma, you've known about the family situations, you, you, you know that your alcohol intake has started to go up, you, you're starting to have those thoughts? Oh, it could just be easier. To just be done with this. I'm just tired of it all. Those thoughts are starting to build. That's when you start this process of digging into how do I get myself healthier. That does. That's not the only answer. There are other answers. This book is literally about the idea of other answers of hope. Right. Whatever um, solution that I mean, Doctor Amen, who wrote that forward to this book, often talks about the idea of like um, suicide being a permanent solution to whatever that temporary issue or temporary problem is now the truth of is some people can have a long-standing challenges whether it's family whether it's trauma whether it may be but it's choosing that very very permanent solution when there are other solutions they may take a bit more time you may need they may be more involved than just taking a prozac prescription like and, and actually, that's one of the things we emphasize in the book. It's not just about the pill you take. It's all the elements that need to occur to move you to its wellness. It even relates to the story of, of healing that, that Rick just described. It's, what it's what's happening on the psychological side, the spiritual side, in your community side, and also in your biology that moves you to its wellness. Rick?
0: Yeah, yeah and there's a, uh, I'll just throw one little thing in here about agency. So God intends for us to have agency. In our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a shifting scale according to the level of agency you can express. When you are unconscious, for instance, you have no agency. You need someone to come along and help you. Just like the paralyzed man could not walk to get his healing from Jesus, he had four friends who carried him. He had diminished agency in order to get what he most needed. So he had to rely on others to help him. And we're all on that continuum somewhere. But God's intention is that we rise to the level of agency we have. To whom much has been given, much is expected. That is a formula, if you want to call it that, for agency. He's saying, Mm -hmm. if you have much, you need to exercise much because I respect the dignity of your humanness. I will not do for you what you, you are able to do. That's his partnership with us. But when you have very little agency, on the end of that continuum, you need help. You can't just shoulder it onto the back of your shoulders and carry it up the hill anymore, it's not possible. So you need someone to come alongside and help you. So there's no diminished uh, respect in needing help if you're at that end of the continuum of agency. The point is to get back to a place where you uh, regain some of that agency again,
1: and become more of an active participant uh, toward health in your life. That's the goal. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, it's been great to have you here with me today. I just want to give you an opportunity to give final thoughts, uh, each of you. One thing that you would want our listeners to know uh, surrounding the topic of suicide or your book. Mr. Lawrence, I'll let you go first. Sure
0: thing. Uh, I, I The first thing I thought of was something we say right off the bat in the introduction of the book. I'm just going to read this right from the introduction, because this is Daniel's in my heart. And this is what I believe Jesus. uh, It's it's his message to anyone who's listening to this, who's struggling right now. Here's what we wrote. We want you to know at the moment you're reading these words, that you are not alone. Hmm. You are not alone. Hope is real. It's tangible. And it's possible. Together, guided by the good shepherd, we'll find a way out of the valley of shadow of death, and emerge into the light again. Jesus said, I came so that you would have life and have it abundantly. And he means what he says.
2: That, that's really good. I don't know that the, I don't know what else to say beyond that. That's kind of really where it, it ends for me. Usually it's that idea of hope, that there are tools, there's help, there's people out there that want to help. There's nuanced and different ways of looking at whatever challenge or problem that you you may have faced. No matter if you think it, no one else understands, there are ways, there are people out there that can understand and there are different perspectives. Um, whatever solution you've tried, try another. There are other things to do. And it's usually the combination uh, of things that can lead and even just the the ch- shift in perspective that can lead to the healing that you you desire and you want.
1: Absolutely. Dr. Amina, Mr. Lawrence, we appreciate you uh, once again being here today. Where can we find the book, The Suicide Solution?
0: Uh, it's available on Amazon, anywhere you buy books. Uh, so it's widely available. Just go to Amazon, search for the suicide solution. You'll find it easily there.
1: Sounds great. Well, we'll make sure to find that and attach it into the uh, description of this podcast. Thank you for listening to Doc Talks today. Of course, we want to hear from you. So you can call us or text us at 910-777-7239. That's 910-777-7239. Also, if you or a loved one is experiencing suicidal thoughts or ideologies, you can dial 988 anywhere in the United States. That's 988. And if you are in fear of your life for someone who may have suicidal thoughts, you always call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. Thank you for listening today. Once again, Mr. Lawrence, Dr. Amina, it's great to have you with us.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.